0: Is that why you're asking me about my dinner?
1: No, the reason I asked you is because <laughs> I was thinking about this as I was driving on Route uh, Route 17. And I thought, yeah, I, I'm going to knock on your door and I'm going to say, hey, Jack, how's it going? And really, it's a meaningless phrase.
0: Yeah. Like, I guess... how
1: you doing? What's up? Things like that. So I thought, let's ask him a more tangible question. Hey, what'd you have for dinner tonight? <laughs> because I, I'm a little more interested in what you had for dinner. Dude. And I'm not interested in all in how you doing. Do I really expect like a a decent answer? Yeah.
0: Well, the other thing with that is people ask how are you doing, and usually they know they want to hear I'm okay. Yeah. Want if they suddenly ask someone how are you doing, they're like, Oh, oh my god, my taxes are killing me. Like it's in, like... like in
1: Bartleby. Uh, oh, you ever yeah. seen that movie?
0: Yes, I have, and I've read the I read the story. Nice. I read the Herman Melville story, and I, I like the movie with Crispin Glover.
1: Yeah, with Crispin Glover.
0: They showed that to us in college. Like we read I the I saw story it in college. And, oh, okay. Maybe we went it, to
1: the same college. Remember? We did. Uh, we weren't in the same class. No, we also had the same professor.
0: We probably had the similar. Like, I don't remember if it was an English class or if it was maybe like.
1: Mine was a. It might have been a history. Uh, mine class. was a, mine was a government, uh, politics class.
0: Okay. Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, it's not. I'm not right. sure
1: what exactly it had to do with government, but it was still a good movie. I'm not going to have any that. Yeah, I liked
0: it too. You know, I I just I'll always remember the main line from that. Bartleby, why aren't you
1: doing your job?
0: I I prefer not to.
1: And I guess and Crispin Glover is perfect for that. Yeah,
0: he pulled that off well. Um anyway, we're recording. Uh Great. welcome to The Wages of Cinema everybody and thanks for listening about our chicken dinners. i am your host jack
1: and i am your host andrew
0: and always with us is the awkward pause um (laughs) that we're are you doing another one now
1: no I'm, i'm just listening to you all right
0: so we're back this week uh We've had some uh, movie watching. And, a lot uh, of stuff
1: has happened since we last spoke. A second trailer about from Star Wars. Oh, trailer man. for Batman versus Superman. Yeah, uh, I, I have Avengers I... is going to come out this weekend. That's true. And some and... of the early reviews are in.
0: And we're going to maybe see the movie.
1: We are going to see the movie. I'm I am ready for well, a not second. maybe.
0: We are going to see it. I already have like a plan set up for us with that. Yeah. You know, like. I even I even know what theater we're going to, so that. Uh,
1: when do you plan on telling me? Hmm. Uh,
0: <laughs> I was gonna maybe tell you after this podcast, <laughs> but I could. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, we're doing other things that day too. So.
1: Yeah, I'll be busy till one. So, uh, oh, okay, that good. that's good to know. But I got the day off. You've heard it here,
0: Firks. A- Andrew is busy until one. And now you also know we had for dinner. Um but no, the trailers, by the way, though. Um
1: Now I don't I, I the trailers are are great. Well you, there's some dispute on that. Uh, Hold on. N- I don't want to really talk about the trailers though, because I want to talk oh, about sure. I wanna talk about anticipation and disappointment. Mm. Because I think we're all nervous about Star Wars.
0: Um I I could go either way. And I I've... think
1: that we're all a little incredulous at Superman versus Batman. I'm because, very incredulous about that. Yeah, because I mean, considering Green Lantern and <laughs> well, uh, well Green Lantern was something else.
0: Green Lantern
1: was a one-off.
0: Like I don't consider that part of what they're doing now. Like this is the first time that they are doing a sequel to something since like The Dark Knight. So this is them actually creating their a universe. They they're basically trying to do what marvel has been doing they're yeah. they're writing its coattails like hell and that's what
1: i'm worried about because yeah you and i both feel that dc is just trying to play catch up yeah and they are. i'm not sure they saw and i'm they, not sure yeah. what to make of batman superman i think ben affleck looks great i uh sure I okay like this is gonna sound involved. this is gonna sound stupid but the way he's just brooding <laughs> is very bruce wayne Sure. As Batman. And, yeah,
0: and I certainly buy him more brooding like that than as Daredevil. Okay.
1: <laughs> uh, that was back in the time when everyone agreed that Ben Affleck sucked before he actually did stuff.
0: Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, he had a few good performances here and there, but he wasn't he wasn't up to of the level. Fears. Him becoming a director saved him in a big way.
1: Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, when you win an Oscar for Argo, then... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to be doing something right.
0: Yeah, but I get what you mean about hype. Like, I mean, I think we talked about this a bit when uh, when we went over the summer movies that are coming out this this year. Like, I think that you know, some movies you build up a lot of anticipation because you actually want to see it, and other times, you know, the marketing machines out there are trying to jump up hype for it, and right, you'll and either go for it or you won't. You know, like some people all... will
1: get caught up in the hype, and that's okay because yeah, I mean. I... I it's, mean, it's good to be excited about things, but, and a lot of us are resisting the hype. Yeah. I mean, Star Wars, I, I, I saw the trailer for Star Wars and I think they look great, but I also know that there are it's three trailers called the prequels. It's still a commercial. It's, too. yeah, it's a commercial. Uh, and, you know, and like, and, um, yeah, well, here's, here's like the general guideline that, that some people, that some people talk about the, uh the zero punctuation sort of philosophy of uh, always keep your standards low because <laughs> yeah. if it's great, then it's great. If it sucks, then you won't be disappointed. But I find that that's hard to do, mm. especially when you're talking about things that you really want to like.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and it's funny you mentioned it. I mean, cause with uh, one or two of the movies tonight, I actually could, uh, you know, bring in that sort of expectation thing into it, into the conversation. Cause you know, again, like trailers do that. Trailers lie. Um, and yeah. also, you also have to take into account, too, who's making the movie. You know, I mean, the one-plus side this time is that it's not George Lucas. The one-questionable side is that's J.J. Abrams, so who knows? And what, what do Star we
1: have Wars? to go on, the two Star Trek films?
0: Well, and also Super 8 and Mission Impossible 3 and Lost, so... Which is not to say that he can't do he it, a, but I guess... He is what I would call a mixed bag. I, I like some of his stuff very much. I... Find him mediocre in other respects, but I'm sure. i I've, I've, from what I understand, he clearly loves Star Wars. I mean, he basically took Star Trek and made that into like a Star Wars type of experience. I if suppose you could say, you're like right. he added a little bit more of that space opera element into what is supposed to be usually like a sciency, you know, type of vehicle. I mean, yeah. granted, the movies have been more blockbustery as they've gone on, anyway. But something about his Star Trek. Was very kinetic. Yeah. So.
1: Uh, so. Let me, yeah, let, there, so, yeah, but let's talk about disappointment. How do you deal with movie disappointment, you personally? Hmm. Let me talk about a, uh, one movie I was disappointed in was uh, the first Captain America film. Oh, were you? Because yeah, because I like Captain America and I was really looking forward to it. Yeah. And while there were things I like about first, it's you know it was like the first Marvel movie I decided not to own on DVD.
0: Yeah. I I kind of. I I I mean, I think about it for a few days, and then I try to let it go. I mean, what, what can I do? I mean, it's still, ultimately, it's still just a movie. Um, you know, there are directors who I will be kind of crushed, uh, but then I'll have to just remember, hey, they've made other movies. I remember some years back, uh, I saw a relatively recent Dario Argento movie called Giallo.
1: And, right, you talked about that a few weeks ago.
0: Yeah, you know, and that was a movie that was. And I still haven't seen his Dracula, and that's something I'm kind of dreading watching. Even though I'm, someday I might watch it. Maybe we'll watch it for movie night. But Dracula seeing,
1: has has a has a mixed history as well.
0: Yeah, but with this Giallo movie, that was the first time where I saw one of his movies, and I was just Disney. by the end of it, I was just hating myself and hating the movie and just. Uh, not good. Man, you
1: hated yourself.
0: I I hate myself for watching it. You know, there's actually there's gonna be another movie that I'll talk about tonight that reminds me of that. But uh, yeah, but do you deal with disappointment harshly?
1: Well, it's I mean you can't unsee what you've seen. Mm. Uh, but you do. I guess the best way to do it is talk about it. I mean with yeah. a, with other people. Sure. Uh, if you're lucky enough to have a friend or know someone who you can talk to about a film, then certainly, you know, pass on your thoughts. Yeah. The interesting and then thing wait for the, the riff tracks.
0: The interesting thing with the <laughs> prequels for me was that I actually you know, I've I, I don't have that much shame about in saying it. I, I actually liked them when oh, I, I did saw too. them in the theater. Yeah. I even liked the third one a lot. I thought the third one was almost on par with the original trilogy. Yeah. And but then after years of other people t- saying no, these prequels are not good. And then also the real kicker of the uh, Harry Plinkett reviews online, Oh yeah, they pointed out a lot of things that were pretty glaring. And all of a sudden it just, it, it, it was one of those things that wasn't immediate, but it was more of a gradual thing where I realized, okay, these movies might not have been as good as I remembered. Even though I'm still tempted to rewatch all the Star Wars movies again this year at some point. To lead up to episode seven, even though I've seen the episode, the, the movies many times, yeah. but I haven't seen the prequel movies start to finish in a while. And I'm wondering how I, I, if I could, is it possible to take what you, your experience in the past watching it and watch it fresh?
1: Well, there's, o- there's always the, uh, the pleasure of watching it with friends
0: that, too. We could always we you, could always make a day of watching the prequel and acknowledging
1: <laughs> acknowledging the fact that you liked someone something which you realized wasn't as good.
0: Yeah, that's. I
1: mean, you know, I so- remember when Corey showed us uh, Foxfire.
0: Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. Where she that was one of her cherished movies of her childhood.
1: A national treasure, thanks to its portrayal <laughs> of Angelina Jolie.
0: Yes. You could say that.
1: See Foxfire, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) But, I mean, uh, even things like that, you still have memories.
0: Yeah. And I don't (laughs)
1: think that you should ever... I mean, you can look at things with a bit of a jaundiced eye, but I don't think that that should ever stop you from taking a chance on a movie.
0: I think when it comes to expectations with a movie, it always is about perspective and also, again, about who's making it and how different it sounds i mean i'm excited for stuff that people you know aren't usually like as super excited about i mean i was
1: uh are you excited for san andreas no oh never mind
0: really? <laughs> what the, the rock the rock is running from like uh, earthquakes uh... here's
1: a here's a quick tip go up <laughs> there's no earth up there can't quake if there's no yeah. earth
0: but like even with uh, you know the Superman and Batman movie I, it's like I there's a part of my brain that thinks like okay I should be excited for this cuz I love Batman and I, I like DC stuff but then after Man of Steel and you know just Zack Snyder in general and
1: There is a reason uh, why I'm glad I saw Man of Steel with a friend our mm-hmm. mutual friend Matt Catania. Yeah uh, we
0: you kind of found the I'm not going to base
1: I felt there's one joke that was worth it that I made in the theater where everything's all over Superman comes down in Metropolis which is by now a crater and I say he we saved the city. <laughs> <laughs> so here is how to insure yourself against disappointment. You go see a movie, you're going to be disappointed if it doesn't live up to your expectations, but see it don't see it alone. That's a good way to Don't see it. it alone and that way you'll at least share some of the uh, some of the disappointment amongst everybody, so it becomes like a shared burden. And then you like a year later, you laugh at it and you say, Yeah, remember when we saw that? And remember how lame that was. Mm. So I think that's the best way to deal with it. Don't stop seeing movies because you're afraid of being disappointed.
0: No, that that's a good that's a good way to put it too. I think that some people will
1: drag whoever you have into that theater. <laughs> yes. This just say this drag may your suck. Drag and your, I can't do it alone.
0: Drag your cat. If you have to,
1: it's dangerous to go alone. <laughs> so, if you're
0: thinking of going into this movie theater. Don't
1: don't. <laughs> right.
0: Oh, I love that trailer. Yeah, me too. All right.
1: Why don't we get down to business?
0: We should get down to business and ladies and gentlemen, we are bringing back, uh, what we, uh, first presented to you last week. And we thought it went off pretty well. So we'd like to try it again uh the the two mov- triple m
1: two the oh, two minute movie mile
0: okay you didn't give me you didn't tell me that acronym ahead of time so that i panicked because you said the two triple m i'm like is that like a sexual position that i don't <laughs> know get your about. mind
1: out of the gutter jack It's time to work <laughs> all right yes, you and- go first because i went first last time
0: yes uh oh and i need to get my phone ready yeah get it ready
1: first. just quit slacking off
0: yeah, no no I act you know. like a
1: goddamn professional, Jack.
0: Hey, it was all our talk about like Batman and Star Wars and all that like stuff. All that kiddie stuff.
1: Professionalism, Jack. Yes,
0: professionalism with my Batman. Alright, you go first. Okay. Um so are you ready to time me?
1: I'm ready. Ready, set, go. My first film uh is
0: The Hustler, uh starring Paul Newman from nineteen sixty one.
1: Have you heard of this movie? Yeah, I've heard of it. It's basically um, Paul Newman being awesome.
0: Yes. Yeah, I, this is probably Paul Newman's best performance. He plays... With Jackie Gleason. With Jackie Gleason, what happens is... How often is do
1: you see Jackie Gleason in a movie? Uh,
0: yeah, I, I've only seen him in a, I can only think of a few. Smokey and the Bandit. And Smokey and the Bandit.
1: Yeah, Smokey and the Bandit.
0: Yeah, he might have be been in other ones, but we don't talk about them. What happens in this movie is you have Paul Newman playing fast Eddie Felsen, and... He's like the god of the pool room. He's got swagger. He comes in. He does moves that everybody's just like, I can't believe this guy. And the thing is, though, Fast Eddie Felson is the type of guy who likes to take chances. You know, he he goes up against Minnesota Fats, who's Jackie Gleason. Right. It's such a great name, by the way. Yeah. Um. And... It's kind of
1: like uh, it's kind of like a nickname even a fat person would mm-hmm. be proud to have.
0: Yes. What's great though is the movie starts off with them actually having their sort of battle duel and so we start in the middle they're already at it yeah they well well not they start in the middle they have their battle but paul newman loses and he doesn't beat him even though they they played pool for like 24 hours but after this uh he starts to try redeem himself he meets this girl played by piper lori and they have a complicated, complicated relationship but then come meet in george c scott who's this other sort of promoter hustler who wants to try to get Fast Eddie Felson out there and make money. And it's just a great character piece. Paul Newman is, you know, he's electrifying. But I actually like Paul, P- Paper Laurie the best. I think she actually gives the best performance here. And all I you know, she didn't work again until Carrie after this movie. Um, the funniest part of the movie for me is just this random moment where, near the end, George C. Scott yells, You owe me money! <laughs>
1: Time! Excellent work. Did I end that well? Yeah, great. I
0: I think I did. I had to end it with some George C. Scott.
1: Well, he's the be-all to end-all of shouting men. That's an obvious comic trick, Mr. President, wasting
0: valuable time! (laughs) 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 Okay, and I'm ready to start for you in...
1: Three, two, one. I happen to be trapped in a certain situation, so I saw Marley and Me with Jennifer Aniston Ugh. and Owen Wilson. First Batman Robin, now this? Look, I just had a run of bad luck. Look, oh, boy. Uh, I've, I've I think seen, this. I've, this movie didn't look Oh, Alan terrible. Arkin is also in it. Uh, huh. The Here's the thing. Jennifer Aniston and Owen Wilson, they're good actors. I like them. I mean, they're, they play characters. They have charm. They they're have... they're blonde people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the problem is that when I'm watching them, I can only see Jennifer Aniston and Owen Wilson. They don't go very deep into mm. into a character. It's always just them. And I I, I like seeing them, but yeah. it's like you wouldn't give. Uh, it's uh it's like not like there's much else there. Alan Arkin, he he plays like a small part. He's kind of uh, underutilized, but. You know, if you'd thrown too much in there, it probably would have thrown it off. Uh, but but it's, it's mostly
0: about the dog.
1: It's mostly about the dog. It's probably the best movie for people who want to get a dog. It'll probably convince more people not to get a dog, mm. which is great. Uh, I probably better than Old Yeller. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it's the story of this uh, journalist who. You know, it's about, it's basically the story of his life, uh, how he gets this dog, how he, uh, you know, he writes columns. He doesn't want to write columns, but he ends up doing it anyway. Uh, mm. And most of them end up being about his dog. And uh, it's uh, basically. Uh, Is it kind, kind of, of like sl- a
0: heartwarming story?
1: Uh, well, is, in the end, it's a heartwarming story. Not too challenging.
0: Is it like a romance type of thing? Not too? like a...
1: Not like... It's... Because uh, they have I the think couple. about movies like Mr. Holland's Opus, which okay. are about, like, a... Per, you know, And kind of like It's a Wonderful Life, where mm-hmm. you're trying to show, like, a... You know, uh, how people are going on. Uh, I don't, uh... Blah. Uh, anything else you want to say all i want to say is at the end it takes too long to end just like marley and basically i was really just hoping the dog would die at the end so we could finish this movie up not bad (laughs) yes please let's get the dead dog
0: and we have time
1: oh wow that sounded terrible
0: why do why you want a dead dog? That just sounds so weird. That's that's my Owen Wilson. Although I will forget, I will forgive Owen
1: Wilson for this because he did Midnight in Paris. So I I can it's hard I I, I we're even Owen Wilson. All right, enough of me. Jack, on to your next movie. In now.
0: Okay, uh, next movie. I saw the movie Friday again for the first time in a while. Uh, this was screened on 420. Uh, as sort of like a Fathom special event. Uh, I saw it sober, I should say. All right. Which is kind of interesting.
1: I've seen this movie. If you have to get to in a theater, that's probably the best thing.
0: Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Friday is the 1995 comedy uh, starring Ice Cube and Chris Tucker. This was the movie that kind of got Chris Tucker off starting into his career, playing Smokey, the drug dealer. And basically the movie takes place over the course of one day as uh, Craig, he hasn't really smoked before, and he lost his job. He got fired on his day off uh, for some reason or another. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty nice, right? Um, But Smokey's whole goal is, I'm going to make you high today because it's Friday, you ain't got no job, and you ain't got shit to do. And thus he does get high. And it just follows their antics over the course of a day. I've seen this movie several times in my life. I, uh, you know, this was kind of like a perfect movie when I was 13.
1: What made you want to go see this in the theater?
0: Um, I mean, I don't know. I just, I'd never see on the big screen. Uh, You know, I've seen the other Friday movies. I remember, I think part of it too was that it had been so long since I'd seen it. I was wondering how I'd react to it. And it's still a funny movie. I don't like, I don't think it's... Like the greatness that I thought was at first. Like if you, I went on my IMDb recently and I reviewed the movie when I was 16, and I said this is one of the funniest movies of the decade. <laughs> and yeah, I was 16 then. You know, when I was that age, I loved these kind of stupid movies. It almost is like watching uh, people in a schoolyard, only in like get like in Watts. Uh, it's very funny. You have characters like Debo and Big Worm, and John Witherspoon from the Boondocks plays Craig's dad, and he's hilarious. <laughs> um, so it's a funny movie. It just doesn't hold up as well as I remember it. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, the soundtrack is awesome. I just got All it. All right, I we're done. It. I didn't know any more. I just had to say the soundtrack. Um, you haven't seen it, right? No. All right.
1: I wasn't, uh... I only I, really, I consider cool. I, I I imagine
0: that gr- growing up in Teaneck with the friends I had we that was just one of the movies we had. All right, all right. Let me open up the my alarm clock again. Um. Okay, for you, three, two, one.
1: All right. This is a movie I wanted to see for a while. Maleficent.
0: Okay. Wait. I felt like you'd seen this.
1: No, i had always planned to. Uh, I was even playing the scene in the theater, but I never got around to it. Okay. Uh, And I was looking forward to this movie because uh, of all the characters in Sleeping Beauty, uh, the Disney film, Maleficent was by far the most interesting. uh, She was
0: one of the most interesting villains, and she was my favorite part of Sleeping Beauty by far.
1: Yeah, she's awesome in that movie. And I thought, well, yeah, if any one Disney character deserves her own movie, it's Maleficent. So I went into this, uh, I knew never mind that uh so angelina jolie the story is, she... is uh, story is maleficent she's a fairy she gets uh wronged by humanity and she takes her revenge out on a princess named aurora uh <clears throat> yeah now angelina jolie i think was really good in this okay uh the problem is that uh the only uh she can't really pull off the fairy tale accent Huh. You know how like uh, Ewan McGregor talks in in Star Wars? Yeah, like he's not quite British, but he's not, but he's very well spoken American. There's like a he's there's Ale like Guinness. a fantasy a- accent that people do. and Angelina Jolie she slips in and out of it. Other than that, she does good, but she doesn't have much to work with. It's not a great script. Mm, okay. And aside from her, like yeah, she is the most interesting character in Sleeping Beauty. But then everybody else in this movie suffers from terrible character oh <laughs> yeah
0: well on. the idea is that it's supposed to be like she had re- she has reasons for being bad yeah but and then, they all center around charlotte be- Copley's king
1: yeah uh but she just lo- uh, but then uh, everybody else suffers for it, and the movie suffers as well. Uh, and then there are weird uh, general things like the kingdom is called the Human Kingdom instead of having a, uh, a real name. And then the, the King Stefan, he looks like Michael Bay. I, I saw <laughs> it. And uh, but Disney seems to like try to want to reinvent the wheel with this, and they didn't have to do that. Time... They just had to make it better. All right. Yes. I would have. Oh man. See
0: uh see now you know why it's just i know
1: it's i'm getting it's i'm getting a little frustrated now but we're all right now we'll move on to you jack
0: oh wait wait hold on let me just open up something in my tab here i just need to because i have some notes that i want to refer to for this next one
1: okay good okay uh another two minutes ready go next movie
0: is the philadelphia story starring uh these unknown schlubs Cary grant Catherine Hepburn and James Stewart.
1: I hate those three people. Yeah,
0: what the hell? Um, this is one of those kind of classic rom-coms. Um, what I liked and appreciate about this movie, which I don't really get to see, is that you know sometimes in romantic comedies you have characters who are you know kind of uh, bitchy or not really likable. Yeah, and nobody calls them on it. And not only that, sometimes they go to the of being, like, sociopaths. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's what that's kind of what's ruined a lot of social, like, romantic comedies. And nobody calls them on it, but it's supposed to be likable. In this, everybody calls on Catherine Hepburn for being a, quote, prig. Uh, <laughs> if you know what that term means back in the 1930s. Uh, what happens is is that there's this kind of, like, thing where there's scandal involving... Not really scandal, but Jimmy Stewart's this newspaper reporter, and he's assigned to do the story on Katherine Hepburn. Uh, she's a socialite. She's going to get married to this guy. And Catherine Hepburn used Anyone to be... Anyone who's
1: getting married at the start of a romantic comedy is not getting married at the end.
0: Yeah, well, um, with this... Or or they get married to someone else, which is, without saying who, this is what happens in this movie. Um, and then Cary Grant is her ex. And so he kind of has an iffy thing here. Um, everybody's funny in this movie. Um, it's not very deep. There are a lot, like, probably the best segment for me was there's a whole segment involving drunken shenanigans. Jimmy Stewart <laughs> has a great, like, whole thing where he wants to dictate the story to Cary Grant and he's drunk, but he <laughs> plays it just right. Actually, and of all things, Stewart won the Oscar for this. Wow. And well, he he's really good in it. He almost, he actually said later he didn't deserve it. Like, it should have gone to, like, they. he said that the uh, the Academy probably gave it to him just because of him not getting time. it from Mr. Smith Goes to Washington.
1: Ah! Yes. Man, the Academy, they're always trying to make up for their mistakes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Um, but this was fun. Anyway, let me open up the clock here, and let's
1: go. Okay, now we really ramp it up. I saw for the first time The Last Temptation of Christ. Ooh. and i know you're gonna go crazy because it's martin scorsese but i have a lot to say it's are you sure you want to do the special thing for this no i don't want to okay. uh the thing i love about this is that it sh- finally you uh greatest story ever told had a very good picture of jesus but it's not the, yes but it's always the same mm-hmm. as every other thing it's a very broad yeah. very two-dimensional character in this one jesus actually has character and he has conflict you see his thought processes you, and, he
0: questions whether he might be insane. Yeah, and he's he and the movie and he's not that. sure
1: if he's the son of God. Now, of course, this is where the movie gets a lot of flack from. But if you are if you're a Christian and you and uh, you want to see a movie, this is a challenging movie that you, yeah you, you, you do yourself levels. a lot of favors by seeing. It gets you to think about whether Jesus, what is it to be human, what is it to be God, if if those two things can really exist together, and it's all about this uh, conflict between spirit and flesh. Uh, and the way Jesus talks, like, when he gives sermons, like, the things you normally read in the Bible, they don't just, like, come out, like, as they do in, in like... It's very at, relatable. Like, yeah, he it, it's very conversational. Like, the first time he preaches, he's like, all right, I, I'm not I'm really just gonna good at this, so I'm just going to tell you a story. I love that. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it seems totally natural. And Willem Defoe is magnificent. Yeah. Uh, you know,
0: what? like, the little man. things I love, too, how... G- like And things that, obviously, would probably piss Christians off, like, Jesus tells Judas, you have to betray me. Yeah. Things like that. And of course, Christian's got to a tizzy because oh, of go crazy, the whole sex thing.
1: The, my favorite scene is at the end where he's talking to God damn it. What's his name? Harry Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton. Yes. And he does this weird, Harry Dean Stanton just flips the script on Jesus. And I'm just, wait a minute. What just happened? What was he just talking about?
0: <laughs> They're talking about what Christianity can become because Harry Stanton's character is kind of perverting it. it.
1: And it comes at at an end of the film where you think things... It is accomplished! Yes! Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Do you like how I ended up? Oh, that that was intense. I'm back (laughs) in it. just like the
0: movie. Um, Okay. Uh, All right. So let's go on to our next one for me. Um, In a little bit, we're going to be... Uh, trying out a, a slightly different thing with this segment but we'll get to that in a moment
1: all right this is uh this is just a regular one yeah this is just okay. a regular one all right so room. two minutes go uh true
0: story uh starring Jonah Hill and the one and only James Franco um, what this is about is Jonah Hill is this reporter for the New York Times uh, once again another reporter movie uh, in this one he's kind of a, he gets fired because he fudge some facts on a story involving Africa. And so he's trying to build back up his career. But what he finds out is that James Franco, he plays this character who uh, is arrested for murder, for for murdering his wife and kids. And the thing was that James Franco's character used uh, Jonah Hill's character's name. It was like Mike something. Damn it, I don't have the notes in front of me. But what happens is, though, Jonah Hill is curious. So he goes and visits James Franco in prison. And they start this kind of uneasy sort of friendship collaboration on what could be a book about, you know, what when you James Franco the killer, but or is he a killer? You don't know. Um, it's not terribly original, but the performances really uh, really do a lot for it. Um, I think Jonah Hill is becoming a real talent overall between Rolf of Wall Street and this. James Franco is excellent in the movie. He rises above the script. Yeah, Jonah Hill's
1: been doing a lot of stuff. He was in Moneyball playing the Moneyball. Uh, this is I'll like a progression of that
0: too. Like he he's actually believable mm-hmm. as a New York Times reporter, which is kind of surprising. You know, he still seems kind of young. The filmmaking is a little eh, it tries to do things that don't entirely work. There's one shot. Where I was just bugged because it's like get the sun out of the sky. I don't <laughs> want that there. I just want to see the actors. Yeah, and you know little things like that bug me. Um, so yeah, like if you like these two actors, go see it for that reason. There's also a very interesting scene involving Jez Waldo, who was uh, a documentary. Uh, damn it, Ugh. I'm out of time. Uh, time. This, this doesn't exactly have to do with the. Well, it doesn't exactly do right, with that time. movie. Alright, but um yeah. what I just wanted to say was that heard Zog, the very first movie I saw by him, uh yeah it, it almost what actually ten Jed years Waldo ago was Jez Waldo, Death for Five Voices. And you know, he was like a like this composer in like the sixteenth century who like maniacally killed his wife and kid.
1: Spoilers.
0: Spoilers, I know. All but right. um That somehow works in the true story. Um, Okay, so next one up for you. Is this a regular one? Yeah. All right. In three, two, one.
1: All right. Um, I saw Russell Crowe's Robin Hood, so I decided let's go see all the Robin Hoods. Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves.
0: Have you seen this before? No. And I I think if I had
1: seen this earlier when I was a teen, I would have loved it. Okay, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's about uh, Kevin Costner plays Robin Hood, who's just come back from the Crusades. Except instead of being dull like Russell Crowe, he actually has enthusiasm. Mm. Uh, he does Robin Hoody things, which are yeah. really entertaining. I'm, I have I've only
0: seen part of this movie. I remember I liked Morgan Freeman quite a bit.
1: Yeah, Morgan Freeman's character is great. He, and there's a little bit, and both of them have uh, a really good chemistry. I mean, Kevin Costner, I'm not sure if he's a good actor or not, but he brought energy. And he brought some enthusiasm to this role, even mm-hmm. though he didn't do an English accent. It was probably even better. Yeah, and they make that they make that
0: joke in Men in Tights. <laughs> yes. Uh,
1: but the real reason to see this movie, even if the other stuff didn't tell Alan you, Rickman? Is, is Alan Rickman. Yeah, he's the he plays sheriff. the sheriff of Nottingham, like, uh, like there is no tomorrow. He decides uh, he just go goes I am, full ham. I'm
0: going to go over the top.
1: He doesn't choose the scenery, but he goes. He, go, he gets he gets just the right amount of ham out of it. And <laughs> uh, he... <laughs> what a slice of ham! I'll cut your heart out with a spoon. Doesn't this one also have Christian Slater? Christian Slater is also in it. Yeah. Uh, he's not bad. Okay, but uh, when you. This film didn't get much of a good rep- didn't get much of a good response. I think it was a it. hit. It was a hit. Like uh, Roger Ebert, he only gave it like two mm. stars, and he has said like this is kind of dull and violent. But compared to everything that's come out now, it's a breath of fresh air. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I can't uh, say not to see it. It's not as good as my favorite Robin Hood, but uh, I mean it's much better than what's come out lately. Mm.
0: Yes. And uh, and of course Mel Brooks has the last word with that. Um, okay, so what I'd like to do next is something that, uh, and I might put a little audio key right here, is uh, the Daily Double. All right. So here's my idea
1: with Jack this. emailed me earlier last week and said there's a movie I gotta talk about for yeah. four minutes. So I said there was a
0: movie that I just two minutes just was not enough. Two minutes I I can't do it. Like, all right. It,
1: it was a movie that just...
0: Ugh, man. Alright,
1: so let's get started. We get, you do all your talking in four minutes. Go. Unfriended. Okay. Have you heard now, of this movie? I've heard it's bad reviews.
0: So what this movie's about, for those of you who don't know, this is actually something that I, I came up with this term myself. I call this a comp exploitation movie. Um... What we get with this, it's basically. Exploitation, trademark. Yes. <laughs> well, it's... Wages of cinema. <laughs> yes. Um, it's a found footage movie. That's what it is. The difference is, the gimmick this time is that the entire movie, you're seeing it on a computer screen. You're seeing. It, it, it's also a slasher movie. What happens is uh, this girl, uh, her name's Laura Barnes, she uh, kills herself, and it's caught on, you know, ca- webcam. Or not webcam, but it's, it's caught on camera, and this is after she was shown kind of humiliated. She got drunk and shit herself. And, uh... <laughs> frankly. And, and you know, people made fun of her online. Cut to a year later, and her former friends, they're talking online one night. And You're this wondering girl, why
1: I've gathered you all here tonight.
0: Well, well, no, but they're just... They're not even paying attention. Like, what happens is they're just talking online, and... Uh, this one girl, uh, I think her name is Bree, or Brian or something, she gets... She starts getting these messages uh, mysterious that, uh, from serious messages, messages from Laura Barnes's Facebook account, and she's like, "Wait, who is this? Like this isn't funny." and you know, but then she's like, "I don't think it's funny. like all these messages start coming up, and you know she's like, "Who is this?" And she starts arguing with her friends, and her friends don't know what it is. And twas the beating
1: up, of her hideous heart.
0: Yes, and it turns into you know it's it, it's like her. It turns into it's, death, and it's it, she's temporary. a go, she's a ghost Skype killer thing. Um, <laughs> now this sounds awkward. This sounds awkward. Here's I can a, only
1: imagine how they tried to justify this in the script.
0: Um, well, here you? here's here's the biggest problem here. Well, first of all, the characters all suck. They're all absolutely hateable awful people they are and the thing that sucks is too like with a lot you know it's just a generic slasher movie you know a few weeks back uh i talked about the movie it follows right. and how that was such a breath of fresh air for the horror genre here's a you know that was a movie with characters that actually were good and actually were helping one another and were this is a movie where everybody is given like one little tick you have like the fat stoner Friend, You have, like, the... And everybody kind of blends it's together generic. as jocks. It's, it's very generic. Characters. Generic, but also... And, th- and you not... can argue,
1: like, oh, these people are just meant to be killed. And no, that doesn't have to be that way. No. So like, Chexy's Chainsaw Massacre, those people were meant to be killed. But they weren't idiots and and hate, no. hateful people. No, they weren't.
0: The the people who made this movie, they're... I, I don't even remember their names because they're such hacks. But they, <laughs> like, they, they are... I don't know they're who in they their, are, in they're They're in hacks. their 40s. And I could tell that they looked down on millennials, and they kind of put that into the script. The other thing, too, um, when you have such hateable characters, and also the main character by the end, spoilers, is revealed to not be such a good person either, um, which is, I guess, the one twist they decide to make, even though it sucks, it's not very cinematic. Half the movie, I'm not kidding, is watching text messages yeah. and aim, and Facebook messages. You'll That's wonder,
1: not cinematic. While watching this movie, you'll wonder why you can't switch to your porn. <laughs>
0: yeah, at least when you're watching other found footage movies, there is some attempt for technique. The other thing, too, when you watch a found footage movie, the big question usually is, well, why don't they just put down the camera? Yeah. Why are they still shooting? With this case, why do they still have their laptops open? We're never given a good enough reason for that. They should be able to do that. And it just gets me so fucking angry. I, I, I actually walk, almost walked out of this movie. I got to the point where I was about to leave the theater, and I said, no, this movie's not going to beat me. Done. And I
1: stayed. <sighs>
0: oh, that movie. Well, oh, and a, just a little trivia note for you. This movie went through different title changes. Before it was called Unfriended, it was called Cybernatural. And head cheese. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and stalking and stalking Leatherface <laughs>
1: alright Jack it appears I miscounted so you have to go again
0: oh wait so are you out of movies I'm out alright so with this now since because I went so long I've decided that the next movie I'll just talk about for a minute if I end up going a little bit over I apologize but uh,
1: alright you got one minute go Exodus
0: Gods and Kings
1: yeah we talked about this a bit well uh, our 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 next Ridley Scott film historical epic well, I With hadn't Kristen seen it. Bale.
0: Yeah, and I just watched this today, and I don't have much to say about it. I mean,
1: it's boring. how does it stack up against everything? I would y- actually y- say, I, I
0: gotta say, it's one of the weakest things I've seen him do. Like his heart, even more than Robin Hood, is just not in this. I would prefer watching Robin Hood again.
1: I've always believe I've always believed that Ridley Scott did not have his heart in any of his historical epics. I think that with
0: Gladiator he was trying something different. I hadn't seen that from him before
1: in his career. Yeah. But
0: after that, you know, Kingdom of Heaven, uh, he Robin probably, Hood, he might and have then just, this. He might
1: have just done it and realized it wasn't his thing, but then You you he replace just kept the pyramid you
0: you can replace the pyramids in this movie and the pharaoh statue and put in the Colosseum from Rome or British castles and you get a similar movie. You have good uh, actors too. All right. I did not even have good enough time to talk about the actors, but yeah, uh, yeah, eh, think... it's boring. Like I last night, I had to take some Nyquil to go to sleep. You should have trouble. just watched
1: Gods and Kings again.
0: It made me feel like it made me feel like. Wait, am I still on Nyquil? <laughs> All
1: right, next one. You got a full two minutes for this. Oh wait, 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 wait. So you don't have any movies left? No, not. Uh, I oh, I miscounted. Boy. So because <laughs> uh, I thought you had five, I said five, but I um. All happy.
0: right, so, well, for me now, all right, so what I'm going to do, folks, um, and this is sort of to prepare you, too, for a little bit of what our main topic will be. Um, Wait, uh, are you sorry? No, 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 I'm just doing a quick intro for this. I am going to talk about five movies, and they all have the same director. You can guess who it is in a moment. Uh, Go! First movie is The Birds. And uh, I saw this on the big screen recently uh, for the first time, uh, and this was sort of what reignited my love for Hitchcock in the past couple of weeks. Um, I
1: I think this movie is a lot of fun. I think that it. I don't know if it's easy. To, I don't know if it's a lot of fun, but it's certainly. It's exciting. Very. Uh, you can't stop looking at it.
0: No, it's it. Um, I think it could be. You could argue that some of the effects have dated. That, you know, you can kind of tell when they have matte paintings and... Fake birds. Fake birds. And also, like, the birds when they kind of come out of the sky in that great... And, you know, it is a great shot where it's the overhead shot after the gas station yeah. blows up. And you see the birds come one by one. It's like the God point of view shot. Um, what I like it so much, though, is the fact that because they don't... Ex- they never explained really where the birds... Co- how, why they're attacking. Or where yeah. they come from. Because yeah. of that, you can read into it whatever you want. It's so open for interpretation. And every time I watch the movie, I have a different take on it. Like, this time, when I watched it, I sort of thought about it in the sense of... This is kind of a film about revolution. Yeah. That the birds have been put down for so long. The first birds that we see in the movie are the lovebirds in the cage that actually spur on the whole story of Tippy Hedren trying to go after this guy, Mitch. and
1: A strange MacGuffin.
0: uh, Kind of a strange MacGuffin, yeah. But then... The birds start attacking them, and they go at it really fiercely. At first, it's just the one bird that comes at her head when she's on the boat. But then it gets really ferocious, and you know they're really taking over the town. Everybody's leaving. And by the end, Tibia, Hedron, and the family, they're the only ones left. And the birds are just kind of sitting back like, okay, you can go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like we've won. Certainly the bloodiest of Hitchcock's films, I'd wager.
0: Pretty much, yeah. It was a bloody movie, but a bloody masterpiece. All right, good. That's a good way
1: to put it. All right, next Hitchcock film, Okay.
0: All right, go. Uh, Next one is The Paradigm Case. Um, This is a movie, this this is the last movie that Hitchcock made for David O. Selznick. This is a kind of courtroom drama mystery movie. Uh, It centers on uh, Gregory Peck as this lawyer, and uh, Anita Valdi, who was in uh, uh, The Third Man. Uh, she's accused of committing a uh, murder of uh, of her husband, and um, you know it's it's actually considered one of Hitchcock's weaker films, and I can kind of see why the script, the movie was actually taken away from him, and it was recut by David O. Selznick. Um, you know it's it's a kind of basic nut to crack in terms of the premise. You know, woman accused of murder, their Law and Order scenario. It's also British Law and Order. Uh, Charles Lawton is like kind of the head judge, and of course he's always fun to watch. He has a great scene where he's kind of sort of hitting on the Gregory Peck's wife, played by Anne Todd, but it's not exactly that clear. Um, I almost wish he was more in the movie. Gregory Peck is just kind of dull. Um, you know, I I liked him more in Spellbound, but I think that he's not. He kind of lacks something for like a Hitchcock movie.
1: Yeah, he's not like a he's not like a thriller actor. No, and it's weird because I mean, you think we've about seen him from *To Kill a Mockingbird* yeah. and uh, *Roman Holiday*. Yeah, he, he even works a bit in romance, but uh, as you know, in, in this that sort of, the other
0: thing too in this movie, they try He's not to, that sort of harried man. They try to crowbar in the movie that you know she that there's a romance between. The lawyer and the woman standing on trial, and I just didn't buy it one bit. Yeah. It's so weak. There are some, there are so, there are some good performances. It's more about the characters and the plot, and so in that sense, um, <laughs> there are some things that are absorbing in parts. It's just the whole is kind of weak, and
1: uh, yeah, I'm not going to revisit it. All right, time. Okay, all right. Next one. Take a breath, Jack. I,
0: I should, I should maybe take a drink of water. Probably be quick.
1: You have five seconds to take a drink of water. You
0: know, excuse me, while I drink a g- drink of water, as my... Well, I forgot, I was about to do, like, a ventriloquist thing. Next! Next so. thing! Murder! With a capital... Excla- with an exclamation point. With a... Alright, go on. <laughs> this is from 1930. Um, This was uh, one of Hitchcock's early sound movies.
1: Now, uh, this... Is, and it's before he came to America.
0: Is before he came... Yeah, he didn't come to America until, like, the 40s. He was in Britain for a while... Um, what happens with murder, uh, as the title suggests, you know, it is about a murder surprise. Uh, any, uh, any of
1: Hitchcock's movies could be retitled murder.
0: Well, he also need a dial M for murder as well. Um, uh, the interesting thing is with this, I mean, it starts off with a dead body and we see kind of early on, but we don't see the killing happen. Uh, killings didn't really happen in Hitchcock movies until like it was a little bit later. Uh, in this one, uh, this, you know, once again, you have a woman who's accused of killing uh, a man. Um, in this case, what happens is it's a little bit more like it starts off like Twelve Angry Men, where the jury has to kind of decide about if this woman's guilty or not, and this one guy just. You know, he's he really doubtful, but he goes along with it because everyone's is like, no, it's guilty, guilty, guilty. And he's like, all right, fine.
1: Peer pressure.
0: And while he's while the woman's waiting to get hung, he starts thinking, wait, this doesn't sound right. And so he does his own kind of investigation into finding out, you know, what really happened. Uh, and what and it, it ultimately leads, of all places, to the circus. <laughs> uh, so the the climax is really cool. Like, the cli- the last 20 minutes of this movie are great. The rest of it, it's at times a little creaky. Uh, when they were doing early sound films, uh, you know, they were still trying to work out the technology, so actors had to kind of stand really close to microphones. This is the first uh, movie... For,
1: for the reference scene uh, in the rain. I have to say it's really
0: fast. This movie has... It's the first movie with narration, but the way that they did it was they played a record on set of the actor saying the lines <laughs> with an orchestra behind it doing the music <laughs> so that it could sync up. Nice.
1: Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. All okay, right. next. Next one. All right, next. Go.
0: The Man Who Knew Too Much, nineteen thirty four edition.
1: Oh, I've seen the the other. I've seen the later one. I've
0: seen I've seen the later one. I've seen the later one a few times. This is my first time the seeing first, the the.
1: The old one, the, that one has the old one has Peter Lorre in it. Yeah, it?
0: what happens with this? For those of you who need a quick refresher, uh, this uh, cu- this married couple are on vacation with their kid. Uh, in the remake, they're in Morocco, but in this ver- in this version, they're at the Swiss Alps. They're skiing. Um, what's interesting in the opening scene? Actually, Peter Lorre is there. He's just kind of like he he's not a villain. He's just kind of like, oh yes, I'm here skiing with everyone and. Um, <laughs> and well what, what, but it's the same kind of premise there's this uh there, there's a party this guy is shot as he's dying the main male character like kind of comes to help him and he hears this secret and but what happens is the villains of the movie they you know they know that this guy knows so they kidnap uh the kid and uh this and get in this case it's his daughter okay um this all leads there's it's it's a gem in a few respects. The main thing is Pier Lori. We talked about him when we when you watch Mad Love. Right. In this movie, he's just he's iconic. He's he's on fire. He's on fire. He has like a scar on his in his face. Zone. He's always like smoking a cigarette. Um, you know, and it's funny cause his his character's name is Abbott without a Costello. Um, <laughs> he you know, and Hitchcock hired him after seeing him in M. And I think, uh, of all things, he actually performed the whole performance frenetically, and yet he did a great job. Like He's the reason to see the movie and nothing else. The one thing about this movie, the reason why I prefer the 56 version over the 34 version, the plot, in a way, it's 75 minutes long. The 1956 movie is two hours long. Uh, so there was more time when Hitchcock had the Jimmy Stewart version... To explore things a little bit more. To build up suspense in the Royal Albert Hall sequence. Yeah. It's worth seeing, but... 56 time. Alright.
1: And How I many, have one more. One more. Make one it count. One more. Go. I confess. But what's, what's the title of the movie?
0: That's what it's called. I confess. Oh. <laughs> you thought I was going to say something else. I confess I saw. I confess. Confess, um, old woman. Yes. This is... Damn, I've wasted time already. This is from 1953 starring Montgomery Clift. Uh, he plays a priest, and uh, at the start of the movie, uh, he hears uh, this man's confession. Uh, this man actually kind of works sort of in the in the church, but he's not a priest. Um, he confesses that he's killed someone. And uh, the rest of the movie is about how, because uh, the, this man Montgomery Cliff plays, uh, has heard this confession in the confession room, he can't tell the police, Right. even though... You know, they really want to know, and his information... Those are the rules. Yeah. If he, if there wasn't such a thing as the confidentiality of the Word of God and all that, the movie would be over in 15 minutes. Right. But because of that, then we get this story that's about the conflict of this priest. The fact also that the, this murderer is kind of a dick, and he kind of holds it over Montgomery Cliff's head. <laughs> um, it takes place in Quebec. I forgot if I mentioned that. Carl Malden is the investigator, and he's quite good. Montgomery Cliff is very good in the movie. Um... It's a different kind of Hitchcock movie in the sense that it's closer to actually one of my favorite Hitchcock movies, The Wrong Man, which is more serious. It doesn't have yeah. that airy, fun sense that other Hitchcock escapist movies have. Yeah. This is more about exploring real feelings of guilt and what it means when – what's morality. There's also a whole thing between Montgomery Clifton and Ann Baxter where they had oh, kind a kind of relationship. Oh, great. Yeah, she was in, wasn't she in uh, All About Eve? Yes. Yeah, uh, they had a relationship before he became a priest, and that kind of works its way into the story involving blackmail. Um, it's worth checking out. Uh, I, don't, uh, you know, it took me this long to watch it. So not an essential. Okay. God damn, I uh, another, I see too many movies. <laughs> another two
1: minute movie mile has been run. We're gonna take a short break, and when we come back, we'll be back with our list movies. Yes, yeah,
0: so we'll take a two minute pee break or something or Q break or Q Q
1: break Q brick. Ooh, right. that, that was a good one. I didn't even mean to do that. All right.